Hi, welcome to the Mid-Market CFO Circle podcast powered by Radius One. I'm your host, Madhurima Gupta. On Mid-Market CFO Circle podcast, we bring you peer insights and technology trends, predictions, the potential cost of not implementing automation and emerging technologies for digital transformation and overcoming pressing business ID challenges for the office of the CFO. Today, we have with us Dan Piscatelli, He's founder at Herd House Advisors, where he offers fractional CFO services geared towards startups, getting their offices back, uh, their back offices in order and mature businesses considering exit strategies. Dan has over 20 years of experience as a CFO with expertise in mergers and acquisition, financial valuation, planning and implementation. On that note, let's welcome our guest on the show. Hi Dan, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's great that you could take time to have this conversation. So Dan, since I've already introduced you, I wanted to actually dive right into the different sure. set of questions that I have for you. So I want to understand first, right, what are the key responsibilities that a CXO holds in a startup with regards to their finance department? Sure. I think, uh, you know, you step back a little and think about the founder and where his money's come from. It's either through his his own uh, nest egg, uh, friends and family, angel investors, strategic investors, or even institutional investors, depending upon how far along their path they are. Um, and that's really to protect the assets of the company and to provide really timely, accurate information um, including KPIs to those investors so that they know where their money is and, and how it's performing. Um, I think, you know, a really another important part of it is they have to protect and safeguard information. And so whether it's information about the company, who's invested in it, if that's private, um, their customers, sometimes they're hold, they have information that's uh, private as well. And then also their employees. And so uh, people don't think about it, but when you have HR records, you have all sorts of information that's private around your employees. So, you know, I think it's really important there, but also there's this kind of unspoken, um, not only to the investors, but importantly to the employees an unspoken contract that they're gonna be kept appraised of, of what's going on. You know, people join startups obviously hoping to join a unicorn, right? Um, but that doesn't always happen. And many times uh, startups are kind of skidding along the bottom around with their cash. And so, you know, it's this unspoken contract to really keep ahead of what's going on with their cash and to fund well in advance of cash crunches and to be able to have the insight into their cash flows so that they can predict what's going to happen, be ready to go out and raise money when they need to, and also keep their investors aware of what's going on in the business. Absolutely. So since they want to make sure that their books are in order, their cash flow looks good, I think it is really important for any founder to make sure that all the money that is due is collected well in time. So is that something that you see founders prioritize as well? Or is there a gap there? I think there's a gap. Um, you know, founders are very bullish about their businesses. They think that, you know, they have an MVP put in place and that they're going to go out and sell to everybody. And everybody wants to sell. Um, and that's usually the number one priority in, in startups is to get money and get contracts in place. And those contracts are important when you go to raise money, right? But the problem is, is that they're always hunting for the big whale or fishing for the big whale. Um, those big companies usually uh, crunch you and, and uh, have really bad payment terms. And so they have to keep track of those. 
those contracts, but they also have to be aware that they need some of these smaller to medium, medium sized fish out there to help pay the bills as things go along. And it's down in that space that I think startups can get in trouble. Um, a lot of times people look for a new vendor when they're extended, overextended in, in their credit with uh, their other vendor. So you gotta be able to be aware of what's coming in as far as a contract and also understand the credit worthiness of those uh, new customers. Um, keeping that in mind, you know, without a good solid function in the finance department, whether it's policies and procedures or a software tool um, that can help you, you know, do the dunning uh, for, for payments, also check on credit and maintain a credit policy and, and constantly look at the credit worthiness of your customers, sometimes you're going to find yourself in a cash crunch. So in your experience, right, I understand that you've worked across manufacturing companies, technology startups, right? What are the top challenges that they face in their growth stages? Yeah, I, th I think it's this, this balance between growth uh, and cash flow, um, also keeping a pulse on what's going on in the company. I also think creating clarity around policies and procedures in the business is really important. And especially around financial, uh, the financial well-being of the company, as well as that fiduciary duty back to your investors. And I think uh, one of the big challenges that they face is this kind of balance between, do we go at revenue for at any cost or do we step back, make sure we're doing things slowly, steady as she goes, and with a, a real goal in mind. If you talk about manufacturing companies in particular, right, uh, when they are growing and let's say they are eyeing a growth of maybe five times in the coming two, three years, at that point, if you had to consult and tell these companies what are the key areas that they should be on top of and optimizing, then what would these areas be? It starts everywhere from originating your contract all the way through to collecting on them. And so part of that is, first of all, get a really good contract written, um, make sure that uh, what you're going to be delivering is well delineated in there, as well as your service level agreement, depending upon what the product is that you're shipping out the door. Then you have to manage your vendors really well. And so um, not over-ordering inventory, um, kind of timing your payments to your vendors, just like these the whales might do with uh, your cash collections as well, because you can find yourself spending a lot of money on inventory, manufacturing costs, and sending products that's finished out the door, and then waiting much too long to get the money in so that you can pay your vendors. So you want to avoid getting into a cash crunch in those periods. Now, um, you know, apart from manufacturing companies, um, what about other companies that you are dealing with? Is there a checklist that you can probably give our listeners uh, that will essentially help them optimize at CFO office while they are eyeing growth? Yeah, I don't know if I have a, a necessarily a, a special checklist. Um, I think, you know, some of the mistakes that, that uh, startups make, um, whether they're manufacturing or a tech company, is not getting the house in order early enough. Um, a lot of companies go out and raise money. They hire a friend who's a lawyer. Um, they're not using a lawyer who's used to taking on uh, investment funds. And so I think finding a good lawyer is a good thing. Also, I would say finding a, someone with experience in the venture world and in growth and in startups. Um, much of what you're going to find as far as reporting, um, some of the hoops that you have to jump through for investors, um, 
it's not just going to be something that someone off the street who has no experience, and I, I don't mean off the street, but you know, a C, even a seasoned CFO is really going to have that experience dealing with these companies. And I've seen it in, in everything from uh, manufacturing companies all the way up to startups. So I think it's really important, first of all, get your house in order, make sure that your investments are coming in right, according to like the National Venture Capital Association contracts, standard contracts. Um, hire somebody, you know, like me. Um, I have a lot of experience and I think a fractional CFO, while you only might use me a half a day a week or a day a week uh, at your initial stage, I'm gonna help you get set up. I'm gonna get your policies and procedures in place. And then I'm gonna help you make decisions around when you bring on all these great software tools that are out there in the market. You know, you, you can bring on software and it's not gonna solve your problem. You have to tell the software what your policies and procedures are, procedures are, as well as your tolerances for risk. And so I think building the foundation, getting some help, and not just thinking it's very simple because it really isn't. At the end of the day, you can find yourself two years after starting the business with a huge tax liability or a chart of accounts that doesn't work for your business, um, no KPIs in place, and you find yourself out of control. If you talk about, uh, you know, you mentioned software, right? It is a good idea to first have your office in order and know what problems are you looking to solve, right? So now let's say that um, a company is with you already, right? So I'm building a scenario here. Uh, and now you know that, hey, my back office is in order. And now I want to solve certain problems, right? So what has your experience been in terms of startups wanting to build solution in-house versus outsourcing them so you know when i say outsourcing it could be in terms of giving away to an agency or it could also be outsourcing it to a software per se right so that you don't have to do it yourself and you just get uh, software and that software does that job for you right so what do you see startups inclined towards well um First of all, I, I don't recommend building an in-house solution. So that's just my first answer. Um, those that have, and I, I've, I've worked for a few um, that have gone out and done things that, you know, they're, they're not optimized. And so, you know, they might go out and build a piece of software um, for, you know, bringing in business and uh, taking in subscriptions, right? And so uh, as part of that, they might just have a, uh, somebody come in, uh, sign up and then send them over to a credit card collection system. It dead ends there. As the finance person, I want to know the contract term. I want to know who who's buying this. I need to know the state so I can look at things like sales tax. Um, I want it to go back into my accounting system. So when you go in and say, just put a credit card payment portal on your website, you're sub-optimizing at that point. I also think that, you know, Again, I don't think it's a good idea to go out and try and kludge together little solutions. You're much better off going out and buying a prepackaged solution that integrates with your other ERP systems, whether it's your financial systems, sales. I mean, sales pays a big part in, uh, and customer service play a big part in collections from past due accounts. Um, so you need this ecosystem where both finance, sales, marketing, customer success, find the, the CEO's department so that they know what's going on in the business can, can exist and share information easily, but also to make sure everything flows through the system smoothly. Um, nobody wants to be in a finance department doing bookkeeping. And so finance people are getting more and more expensive. There's harder and harder to hire today. And I think with, um, with remote 
working and with, with what's going on in the market around these people, you really need to put them at work looking at the business, not doing bookkeeping. You make a really good point there. It's actually uh, one of the things which is not directly related to the topic. But, um, you know, in general, I've seen even with the customers at High Radius that we listen to or we talk with, um, often they are concerned about bringing in a software uh, to solve their problems, especially if they are advanced tech, right? So if there are solutions that use artificial intelligence or machine learning to solve a certain problem, one of the primary concerns that come in is, will this replace my employees, right? Or um, a lot of companies actually don't look at it from the perspective that, hey, today, if you are able to manage your X collections with two employees, tomorrow when you have four X collections, are you gonna hire another four people? Right. Is That's gonna be more expensive, right? So instead of doing that, get a software, let that do the, you know, repetitive work for you and in an organized and error-free manner. Right. So right. that is something that kind of gets left behind. They're more concerned about, hey, will my employees be easily trained on the new software? Right. So that kind of becomes a hindrance for them in our experience to accept a software that offers automation. So, Dan, is this something that you'd say is not the right approach or not the right way to think about it? Because if you onboard a software, there is a possibility that your employees are better engaged. What is your opinion? Yeah, I, I think you're empowering them to actually be uh, involved in the business and provide advice. Um, you know, I've had clients where I've gone in and replaced uh, everything from credit and collections to bill payment systems. I've eliminated headcount. We've been able to, you know, go from having clerks that uh, aren't engaged to clerks that might be learning up and engage more. So with that, you know, that headcount that I'm not spending on the back office function, just pushing paper. And I mean, literally pushing paper and writing checks and dialing people and constantly checking on credit. Um, we have people that are engaged, excited to come into work. Heck, if somebody told me there was a tool that was gonna make me save 60% of my day or more, um, that was gonna automate a lot of the processes that I should be doing. And a lot of times I'm not able to do, like going back and checking that credit on a regular basis, I think I'm gonna say, raise my hand and say, train me, I would love to be able to do it. It only makes sense. You know, at the end of the day, if you have an employee that doesn't wanna do that, probably not the right employee for you to begin with. Got it. Now, um, if we kind of move to software again, I wanted to understand, um, at what stages in their growth trajectory uh, do startups consider implementing commercial off-the-shelf softwares, right? Like accounting softwares, it could be a QuickBook or Xero, or maybe an ERP software, which could be, let's say, a NetSuite or Sage Intact. What stages do you see startups using these software? You know, my recommendation is as early as possible, um, especially from a finance standpoint. Um, I would also get somebody in early so that your, again, your chart of accounts are set up, your policies and procedures are there. Um, so you need to build a good foundation, go out and get a good solid piece of software um, that you can do for financial reporting, um, get your chart of accounts in there, policies and procedures, and that builds the foundation for future growth when you have the volume of collections that hopefully you're going to have and that you have the volume of 
bill payments that you're going to have. Um, you're going to have to integrate into your HR, you know, getting back to that responsibility around keeping that data private. Um, HR is a big task. And I think, you know, some of the software out there is really valuable and, and, and can save you time. Um, so instead of going out and hiring all these people, the software can be brought in and, and help you out very early in the game. Um, again, I go back to the idea of getting in people that might be fractional HR people, fractional CFOs. Um, those functions, while they're very high, very expensive to hire, they're available on this fractional basis and they're gonna help you set up the growth uh, or the basis for growth so that when you go out and you buy the, 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 the software that's gonna help you with collections and credit and bill pay and HR and subscription management, you're going to have the foundation there and you're not going to be going back and recreating the wheel. It's painful to do. And I've done it many times. Got it. So starting right and with the right kind of softwares in the right kind of guidance becomes key in ensuring that your startup in the financial area doesn't see issues, you know, when you are actually going and showing your books out to everybody to get investments. That's point. Exactly. Right. So yeah. I think, um, are there any parting thoughts that uh, Dan you'd like to share with our listeners in terms of uh, maybe how should they choose what software to use or while they are automating their finance function and at what point should they reach out to you? You know, I think uh, fundamental is, is get your house in order as we just talked about. The foundation is really important. So do it early. Um, buy the software that's going to save you on headcount. It might cost you a little bit more. Talk to the vendors. The vendors understand you might be a startup and may not be able to, to afford their full loaded package. Um, don't, be a, don't be intimidated. Learn as much as you can about your different options out there. Go with the ones that are going to be strong and, and your partner early on and that will partner with you as you start to grow and get to be a large company that you want to be. So that was awesome. Thank you for your time oh. today, Dan. Uh, this was Thank really helpful. And I'm sure okay. our listeners are going to, you know, learn a great bunch and hopefully they're not going to do any mistakes that you rightly pointed out. And uh, for our listeners out there, stay tuned. We'll be back with more.